Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be treated to an interview with Anthony Crowley, writer, director of Motormouth Love Suckface, presented at La Mama Theatre as part of the 2018 BCE Theatre Studies Unit 4 playlist. This is part two of the interview, so if you haven't yet listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. What is the intended meaning of the piece from your perspective? Um, it's about, if you, I mean, you know, you get asked that question a lot of different ways. If, if I was being asked, you know, the, 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 short, very, the shortest answer to the question is that it's about second chances because ultimately that's what everyone in the piece is looking for. They are in a world that's gone to, excuse my, excuse my language, that's going really bad and they want out and they want to be able to start again and they don't know how. They don't know how to fix what they've got. They don't know how to extract, take themselves out and get a second chance. Um, but it's also about, uh, it's about love and it's about the redemptive, you know, meaning that love gives the most absurd life. And it's about idealism versus um, nihilism and fatalism, um, which I think is really important for young people. I mean, I can't recount how many forums I've been in where a young person has stood up and said, but why can't we do this differently? Why can't we try to approach this thing in a different way and the old head in the room will stand them and go oh you just you know it's, you just you'll learn in time you'll you'll understand in time that's just not the way things work you know this is there's too many other you know and the, you'll see it on um you know like politicians on those on the abc all the time it's, it's that nihilistic fatalistic thing of if you can't ex you know of, of that person a parental figure saying to a child Describe how this new thing works for me. And the child goes, well, I don't know. I just feel that it's, that there's something better. And I can, they, and they go, well, sorry, if you can't articulate it, then it, it, it can't exist. You know, you're just being naive. And I think that's wrong. I think that, that, that young people and teenagers are really philosophers and they're thinking about things a lot and they're under a lot of pressure. And I think that idealism is re a really important engine for change and for overcoming the rhetoric there's a lot of wonderful delicious rhetoric in motor mouth love suck face espoused by the parents who are these kind of um corporate spin doctor kind of um come spies um and so yeah it's about how, how idealism takes on board that and defeats it and it's also at a, a deeper level, how we can reject um, those who espouse that kind of thing, whether they be our parents or politicians, but still not lose love. To not have to reject somebody from our life, or, but still find a way to say, this is who I am, I've got to make a change and I still love you, but I think you're wrong and I'm going to do something about it so that and that's a, you know it's such a tension in there between you know um the parental figure and uh and the antagonist in our show uh, uh blasco but 
the parents are really quite likable and she's quite likable and there's a lot of love in that family in the show and I think that that's you know important in another another stream to the whole thing and also global warming is a clear theme totally that 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 sits on the surface like like an iceberg right there on the tip of the iceberg so yeah we put that front and put that front and center because that's and the great thing about musicals is people can take them at all kinds of different levels. It depends how deep you want to dig. Well, certainly the, 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 the musicals I write and I like are those ones. Um, so there, global warming's on the surface. These kids are all, uh, that's the setting, really. Global warming, planet going to sh- that's the setting, you know. The last polar bear on the planet is floating on an iceberg off Hawaii. And so everyone's feeling a bit like, you know, what are we going to do? There's no hope. Um, so the piece sort of takes all of that stuff I was just talking about and kind of filters it through this world of um, global warming and climate change and so yeah on one level you could say it's about making a change uh, to that and on a wider level beneath the iceberg it's about how that applies to you know everything are these themes enhanced by the stagecraft? Yeah. Um, there's the sort of small elements to try to capture the things that are occupying or oppressing the characters on stage. So the what's important about the set is that it takes 12 actors and they can play on it, but that it also creates like a haunted house that there's a lot of sort of places that we feel uh, relationships could be happening or things could be going on, which has less to do with global warming and more to do with um, a party. Because the most important thing we have to deal with is um, what's the inner world, which is the party. And if we capture that, then all kinds of things can happen at that party and our imagination takes flight into that world. So when the zombies break out, we can imagine they're all around us, even though we're only watching this moment here on stage. So um, using light, uh, the lighting design will have a great impact upon that. So I have to work closely with um, our lighting designer. Um, in terms of the, you know, the world and what's happening, little symbolic things on stage, like we'll probably have a polar bear in a kiddie swimming pool and link that with the, um, the party theme or we'll have um you know we'll utilize fairy lights in some way and the the other world we want to um give a sense of because it's mostly it's got to lie in the audience's imagination so we just kind of have to lead them there is 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 the universe and cosmic wormholes and being able to travel from one dimension to another so we have to create this sort of magical kind of um, an ability to turn on that kind of magical um, clue um, so we can sense a cosmic wormhole through the set design and the actors can work with, you know, can work with that as well and sense that. How will the actors utilise the performance space? We'll be looking at... um, how they utilise the depth of the space, how they utilise um, shafts of light, so the quite specific locations of light, 
uh, how they utilize um, internal um, visualization. So what that means is, is, is they've really got to see if, you know, they've really got to look up in the sky and see some stars because we don't want to be showing the audience stars all the time or anything like that. We, 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 they see it, the audience gets to see that through the music, which implies it and through the actor who is seeing it <clears throat> at the time. So they're going to have to use, uh, and by doing that, using the set in kind of interesting ways, we've got this sort of like grass, um, vertical grass, rostrum which means that the cast get to lie on the ground while they're standing up sort of thing and they get to kind of like play off that so they've got to be able to convincingly convincingly do that um there's times where they have to murder um, a zombie with a totem tennis pole so at those points props become very important to motor mouth love suck face um and how the cast utilizes that physically to be able to kind of endow those things with a certain reality so that when we kill a zombie we're feeling that moment um another prop we've got to use is when we blow up the world we we, we sort of we endow props like balloons and things like that so when we pop a balloon or we use the tension of holding a pin close to a very large inflatable object that there's a certain tension that we're milking so that when we eventually, you know, do it, um, if we do it, um, that it, you know, it has an impact on the audience that, that, that's visceral. And all of that comes down to an actor's ability to be able to um, work their complicity with an audience so that it's breaking the fourth wall at times. In fact, we do. We break the fourth wall. That's something else I haven't mentioned. The actors turn and directly address the audience at times. So the actor's got to be able to deal with, I'm talking to the audience now, and now I'm back in the play again. And kind of psychologically kind of work out what they're, you know, doing at that time. So I just, you know, I think we all have camera two moments where we turn to camera two and go, okay, so at this point, I'm thinking, you know, and they're a way of like diffusing, of, of diffusing tension too. You know, just when something gets really tense, you might turn away from it and have a little private conversation with yourself. So the actors have got to kind of like be able to, um, to deal with that Shakespearean thing and kind of go with that too. There's a lot of stuff in there to unpack. That is the end of part two of our interview with Anthony Crowley. Please do keep listening to the next episode to find out more about this excellent production. For more information on where to see Motormouth Love Suckface, go to lamama.com.au. That is all from us at The Aside. Thanks to Aaron Searle for providing the music and Eltham College for letting us record here. There's a range of episodes in the bank, so feel free to listen to one that grabs your attention. Do not hesitate to email us at asidepodcast@outlook.com. Send us a question and we can answer it in a future podcast. Thanks for listening.